the New York AG targets toy guns, and the conversation with Shermichael Singleton of Guns Out TV. That and more on this episode of the Weekly Reload Podcast. I made the devil run. I gave him poison just for fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Weekly Reload Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Gutowski. I'm also the founder of TheReload.com, where you can pick up a membership today if you want to get exclusive access to some of the best firearms reporting and analysis available in the country uh, that you can't get anywhere else. So head on over there today to check out our monthly and yearly subscriptions, as well as our lifetime membership for those who believe in what we're doing here and want to provide an extra level of support for us. Uh, today's episode features Shermichael Singleton of Guns Out TV, one half of a great duo that uh, does a show exploring uh, firearms culture uh, across the country. Shermichael, welcome to the show. Can you give people a little more background about yourself? Yeah. Hey, Stephen. Thanks so much for having me on The Reload and congratulations on launching uh, this entire series, the website, the writing. I think it's just all great. You've even made some news uh, when the Biden administration had nominated someone whose name I will not state, uh, but some of your articles were actually circulated in some of the Capitol Hill circles. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, so that's a testament to your acumen and your journalism skills. So congratulations on the success. Um, so yeah, I'm Sir Michael Singleton. I've worked on several presidential campaigns uh, starting with Newt Gingrich, my senior year of college. After graduating college, Newt didn't make it. Romney became the Republican Party nominee. I joined Romney, as is the tradition. You typically will join the winner of the party. And I worked on his campaign uh, until a couple months after he lost against uh, Obama, shutting down some offices across the country. Uh, and then I just had, you know, a political career where I traveled across the country working on various campaigns and for various groups and organizations. Fast forward, I ended up working on the presidential campaign of Dr. Ben Carson, where I was the uh, faith and coalitions advisor. I became Dr. Carson's communications director once he dropped out of the race, uh, briefly joined the Trump administration as the deputy chief of staff at HUD. Uh, after that, I went along and joined uh, television, became a commentator on TV, which is sort of what I'm still doing outside of the firearms stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're a very accomplished guy. You've you've done a lot, and uh, you're doing even more right now with uh, appearances on MSNBC consistently, and and then also your show not only being on YouTube but also being uh, on Warrior po Warrior Poet Society's uh, new yeah. streaming service launches there. January fifth. Yeah, so you you, know, you you're doing a lot, and <laughs> we've we've this is the second time we've. <laughs> film this podcast because we've had technical issues just galore this time. So I'm really glad that you've stuck through it and, and that you're on here today to talk to us a little bit, because I think, you man, have look, you have been even, you know, look, you've been a good friend uh, to myself. You've been a good friend to John. You've been a good friend to guns out. Uh, and so, you know, look, it, it, it won't hurt me to wait a little bit till we figure this all out. And I'm glad we did because I really wanted to do this. Uh, John and I were talking about it. Uh, John, by the way, uh, to your listeners, uh, he is the other half yes. co-host, co-owner of Guns Out, and he's going to have his own uh, segment in the new year, uh, his own yes. conversation, I should say, with Stephen in the new year. And so we were talking about it. We we're both excited about it. And I said, yeah, we had to reschedule, but that's all right, because when a friend says, hey, can we do this again? You make a way to make it happen. Yes. Well, we I, we really appreciate it here on, on my end. 
the reload. And uh, I think that you're just a really interesting guy. You know, you've got a, a fascinating backstory. You've uh, you're part of a new generation of gun owners uh, in America. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to talk to uh, everyone who, who uh, owns a gun and get a better ex- understanding of why they do yeah. it and what, what makes it interesting to them. And then you also have that added uh, aspect of doing something similar yourself, going around the country with the show, with Guns Out, and, and profiling different mm-hmm. uh, events and different experiences that people can do with guns and different uh, you know, companies doing tours of factories, mm-hmm. doing all sorts of interesting stuff in the gun world. So, you know, I think you can offer our listeners quite a lot uh, to learn from. And so uh, why don't we start with with Guns Out, start with you and John Keys, right? You guys, longtime friends, but you, you've yeah. been a shooter for much longer. Well, he was a former Marine, right? But wasn't really into shooting right. outside of that mm-hmm. until very recently, in fact, until the pandemic when he bought his first civilian gun. But you, you've got more of a background. You were a competitive shooter. Uh, you've, you've been mm-hmm. uh, interested in firearms for much longer on the civilian side of things. Can you just talk a little bit about how you got into guns and then that dynamic between you and John? Yeah, so I did a, a bunch of matches, some non-sanctioned matches. So they have... Uh, official matches, IDPA, USPSA, uh, three-gun, two-gun, et cetera, that are typically sanctioned by the governing bodies that govern competitive shooting. But you also have a lot of people in in local areas, a bunch of shooters will get together. Uh, Sometimes you'll have uh, gun organizations and gun clubs that will do their own non-sanctioned matches. And so I did a lot of those and had so much fun, started training with some really skilled shooters who also shoot for some of the sanctioned entities. And so that was sort of my leeway into the competitive world. I've had some uh, sanctioned matches and plan to do some more in the new year. I've kind of been all over the place, Stephen, man. So I haven't been able to really practice as much as I wanted to. I was supposed to do a sanctioned match in October, I believe. And I decided not to do it because I just, I, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I hadn't been practicing the way I would really like just because we've been so busy uh, with guns out, unfortunately. But hopefully in the new year, I'll be able to carve out some better time to dedicate the necessary amount of time to drive firing, uh, drawing from holster, moving while shooting, all of those things that are just really, really critical uh, in competitive shooting, especially when you're doing USPSA, uh, where time, speed, and accuracy is everything. Uh, But yeah, John and I started Guns Out, and it was so funny because I'll never forget this. John came to me with this idea. I had just moved back to the Northern Virginia area full time. I was living in New York part time for a show, a digital show that I was co-hosting for the, I guess, almost about a year and a half, I guess, almost. And once that contract ended, I came back full time and John said, hey, man, I got an idea. How would you feel about starting a gun show together? And I was like, oh, no, John, you know, because, Stephen, I have a media background, a lot of media training. I'm really picky about partnering with something in that space if they have no experience. And John said, well, let's just try it out. Let's just see what happens. So uh, he ended up filming something that his wife had told him to film it. He showed it to me. He said, what do you think? I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. We'll film a couple episodes. You were actually in one of the very first digital episodes that we actually filmed together. And once we saw that and we edited ourselves, or John did, and it was like, okay, maybe this might be a thing. Maybe this could be an interesting idea. Uh, And so we started thinking about what we focus on, how would we do this thing? We didn't want to be uber tactical. We didn't want to be uber competitive. And then we sort of decided, well, what about the folks in the middle? And that's a lot of the new gun owners. There are people who aren't tethered to one thing or another. They're new enthusiasts or they're just new owners in general. 
and they're looking for places to find out knowledge about guns. They're looking uh, to find out where can they go for training. They're looking for places that they can go to have a lot of fun to just improve their comfortability with, with guns in general. And so we said, well, why not just start traveling the country, highlighting and capturing really, really cool places and really cool people in this space? Hence, uh, if you look at our bio, we say Guns Out is attempting to humanize and normalize firearms culture through dynamic, entertaining and educational content. And that sort of fit into our model, which it's really, really cool, man. And so we've been all over the place, Steve. And so the opportunity came to have our content on uh, ABC7 in the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia, and the suburbs of Maryland market. That's the seventh largest market in the country. And when the opportunity came, we jumped at it. And we had a couple episodes that aired. Then, unfortunately, the incident at the Capitol happened. And, of course, you know, once that happened, Stephen, just uh, it, it put the brakes on a lot of things, as you can imagine. And the executives at, at the studio, Sinclair Broadcast Group, which owns that ABC7 affiliate, say that, you know, we just don't think now is the best time for a gun show. There's just a lot going on in the country right now. And we just don't think it's smart to just have something like this out when we don't want to incidentally encourage someone to do something harmful to others. We didn't like it. It was hard. Um, I think John got over it a little easier than I did. It was really hard for me coming from this space. I just expected a little more. I expected some ways for us to figure out how to keep going forward because to have a live fire gun show on TV is something that hasn't happened from my understanding in decades. And so that was a really, really big deal. What we were attempting to accomplish. And within, I guess, a month of being on, it was all it was over. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really tragic, too, because you guys obviously have no uh, affiliation or association with the Capitol riot in any way. And in fact, of course not. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, in fact, you've you really are uh, somebody who is more uh, down the middle on a lot of political issues. I mean, you're Republican, obviously, but but uh, you're not some sort of uh, bomb throwing, you know, fire breathing kind of guy. And I mean, I think that shows in a lot of what you do. Uh, especially, I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're on MSNBC frequently. And so, uh, you know, obviously that, that kind of personality wouldn't fit in there. You're, you're, you, uh, and in fact, you know, I'm actually kind of interested in what you think the experience has been like at, at a place like MSNBC. I know a number of people over there that, <laughs> that are great, but there's obviously a lot of people who, who are openly hostile to the idea of, of gun ownership, especially the level that you, yeah. uh, you know, practice it. And and so I wonder like, how how has that experience been? Yeah, you know, it's been really interesting, Stephen. Um, I've been on MSNBC for a long time now, uh, talking about politics, articulating some of my conservative views, and you know sometimes people don't agree with me, but I've always found, and I've done CNN, I've done Fox as well, mm-hmm. and what I've always found as I've sort of matured in politics is that in order to enlighten people, in order to educate people. I can't only talk to people who I know will naturally agree with me. I can go on Fox News and share my conservative underpinnings. And for the most part, people will probably agree. They may want me to be more ferocious in, in my articulation, or maybe uh, some may say, well, we, we need you to be more aggressive. I, I don't think that that's a place in politics right now. The country's too divided as it is. But the principles they would agree with. And that's great. And it's great to get the pats on the back. It's great to get the applause. 
But I think a part of the problem that we have in our country, man, is that no darn body's talking to each other anymore. Mm. Everybody's in their own silos. I only want to talk to people who are going to agree with me. Well, that's great. But how do you construct change if you're not having difficult, complicated conversations with people who differ? Yes, we're going to debate like hell. Yes, there will be some things we just cannot ever agree on because of principles. But we have to figure out a way to move forward. And the only way to do that is to be in places that are that are naturally against many of your views, trying to articulate why your views are important and to hopefully win some people over. And believe it or not, man, I've had many times on MSNBC uh, talking about various issues where I've had anchors say, you know, Sir Michael, that's a really good point. I can't even disagree with that. Or where I've had other commentators who are Democrats say, you know, Sir Michael's actually right about that. Uh, Democrats have a problem here. Or Sir Michael's right about this idea. I think Republicans have a good position here. I don't like the way they're going about it, but I think he has a good point. Uh, and, and so you would be surprised with the progress you can make over time when you're talking to people and you're listening to them and you're both learning from each other and you both accept that we may not agree on everything. And that yeah. goes to the gun thing. I've been on quite a bit talking about firearms and sometimes people just don't agree. Many times people just don't agree. But when they listen to the rationality behind my positions and they understand my position as a black gun owner, not to throw a race into it, but I think there's a unique history coming from the African-American uh, culture as it pertains to gun ownership in this country and why I personally feel an, an affinity to maintain uh, my Second Amendment rights and to want to encourage other Americans, specifically black Americans uh, in particular, to maintain their Second Amendment rights uh, through training and education in a responsible way. And when you articulate that, it's really difficult for people uh, to be against it. Now, they will disagree with that. You know, I don't like that type of gun. I don't think people should have that gun. I don't think people should have this, that, et cetera. But they still have the conversation. And, and in having those conversations, my hope, Stephen, has been when I've been on to talk exclusively about firearms, is that by educating people, I know I'm not going to win everyone. And that's yeah. not the goal. The goal is never to win everybody, but the goal is to win enough people where you somewhat open the door of a question mark. And if the question mark is open, then you've captured a potential new audience where you can begin to have the complicated conversations about how do we preserve the Second Amendment rights for everybody, while also addressing some of the problems that we have in our country, such as mental illness, uh, how do we, with our young men that we're seeing all over the place, bullying in school. Uh, with 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 our kids, how to address inner city violence and, and the increasing violence in many inner cities uh, across the board where our young, again, typically young men are harming themselves, each other's each other and others in their community. How do we have those tough, complicated conversations while still saying that we want to maintain the right for people to have AR style weapons uh, and, and pistols? How, how do we do that? That's yeah. not an easy conversation. It's an uncomfortable conversation. But yeah. I think through education, I think through logic, uh, I think through rationality, we can get there. And so that's been my experience on MSNBC. I never expect to win everyone over. But for the most part, it's been positive. You know, I have had some rough moments and, and that's to be expected, right? When you're <laughs> in uh, an environment that is sort of foreign to your disposition from their perspective. Uh, but you accept it and you say there's a bigger goal here. And that bigger goal is to try to have cross conversations across ideological lines to be able to move something forward because right. that's the only way we move forward right certainly and i think that this is one of the reasons that we make sort of natural friends here uh, is because we share a similar worldview in that sense i mean i just had ryan Busey from giffords on to talk about his book <laughs> where he's 
you know, mm-hmm. describes his transformation from gun salesman to gun right, uh, gun control activist. Uh, and, you know, I didn't agree with a lot of things he had to say, but it didn't mean that I wanted to shut him out or shut him down. Right. And keep him from explaining his point of view. Uh, yeah, I might mm-hmm. question it. I might have difficult questions, honestly, for him. But uh, I felt like it's much more worthwhile to have a discussion with someone than to just try and yell over them yeah. or, or scream at them. And and so, uh, you know, I appreciate that point of view that you, you're talking about here. And I think a lot of our listeners want more stuff like that because we see in a lot of media sort of the exact opposite. Right. Um, but but I wanted to touch yeah. on on something that you described in there a little bit, which is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the issue of race. I think it's obviously this is not, you know, if you watch Guns Out, the, you don't have to be of any particular race to enjoy it, obviously. But right, it, it right. is a unique show in the fact that it, it's two black men in America talking about firearms. Uh, and mm-hmm. and I think it, it does uh, a great job of connecting the modern day um, experience of, of black Americans with guns to that historical experience that you talked about to this this history that goes back to you know Ida B Wells and and uh, the the beacons or the deacons of of uh, justice with of the, defense sorry deacons of defense with the civil rights movement mm-hmm. Malcolm X um, you know you have this proud proud tradition of, of uh, armed defense in the black community that doesn't really get a lot of attention or talk talked about very much and mm-hmm. and it's I think it's fascinating to see that continue with the, some of the work that you guys are doing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a unique history. I mean, you have people like Frederick Douglass who wrote about the importance of uh, a, freed, a freed black person carrying a revolver, Ida B. Wells. Um, there are just so, so many others, Dr. King, uh, Malcolm X, a Black Panthers, Deacons of Defense, who played a very interesting and critical role in the civil rights movement in the South. They're an organization that's really lesser known. Most Americans, white or black, don't, don't even really know about them. They've sort of been discarded to the side, but that history is very important, especially if you're a gun owner. Uh, and so, th- th- so there's this unique, complicated, but prideful history uh, as it pertains to gun ownership and, and, and equalization that firearms uh, creates and allows, right? Because the firearm makes us equal. And so if someone and the segregated South was tormenting you and you have a gun, you change, you change the whole thing. You change the game uh, because now you have something to say, you're not going to kill me anymore. You're not going to torment me anymore. And that's a history that I think is important. I think it's a history that we should not ever forget. Uh, and, and so you think about history, not in a romantic way necessarily to fetishize over it, but you think about history to see where you have come from and how do you move forward. Uh, and so for, from our perspective, we do recognize that unique history in it, and it's important for us to sort of keep that idea of self-defense and the ability for an individual to protect themselves uh, viable for all people in this country. And when we sort of try to do that in a, in a subtle way, we don't always talk about it. Because, again, we try to reach people through uh, an educational and a fun way first. And we think if people are entertained and having fun, it's easier to educate them on various things. Uh, we were in Vegas on one episode and, and we were at a place and we were shooting all these World War II guns. And we met a guy a couple months ago out traveling. He's like, oh, my God, I watch you guys on YouTube. 
and I learned so much. And he started naming all of the guns. And he said, I didn't know anything about these guns. And you guys just made it so cool talking about, oh, this gun was used in, in this war or this military came up with this and it was way ahead of its time. And there's only a second generation of it that's still being used today. When people are entertained, they, they retain that type of information, Stephen. And that's the type of impact that we want to have on all people, man, regardless of race. Uh, but there is a unique side of it with being African-American, and, and, and that's important. But we don't only want to be known as just two black guys uh, talking about firearms uh, because we know we're black, right? Like, and, you're, <laughs> and if you watch it, you know that. Yes. Uh, but we just sort of try to, can, can, uh, right, but we try to just represent the community from our perspective, which is a, a unique perspective, we think. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think that definitely comes across in the show. The, another thing that comes across, too, is uh, your commitment to explain the political side of things as well to some degree. Obviously, most of the yeah. shows is at, for entertainment. Like it's, it's about exploring the culture, some of the things that mm -hmm. you can do with firearms, some of the fun that you can have in, you know, in a responsible way. Uh, but also you, you discuss politics to some degree. You have ex explainers on the AR-15, for instance. Um, and, and some of the, mm -hmm. the, the facts around that, that firearm, given how politically uh, controversial it, it has been over the last 30 years. Right. Um, and and yeah. so it's interesting to see because a lot of shows uh, out there and there's nothing wrong with this, obviously, but a lot of you see a lot of entertainers in the gun sphere that don't talk as much about the political aspect. So what made you guys yeah. uh, want to do that more? I mean, obviously, your background perhaps plays into that, but. But what, what do you think it is that, that makes it such an important thing for what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, clearly my background definitely plays into it because I love politics. But at the same time, we recognize that we have a responsibility to update our audience on what's going on politically. Uh, the Second Amendment is important to us. We have a gun show. We think, it's, we think it's critically essential to us being able to have all of our freedoms under our constitutional republic. Uh, but we don't try to force people to take up our position we have our positions and our opinions, and that's sort of clear when we talk politics and we try to educate people on the facts. But we say you make the decision for yourself, Stephen. I think one of the reasons why a lot of Americans are just absolutely tired with politics on the left and the right is that they, they, they're tired of people pushing an opinion or as some would say an agenda onto them. And so we try to stay clear of that. We just try to say, hey, here's what we think. Here are the facts. Here are what some other people in the field who are really working on these issues think. Now, you take this information, you do your own research, listen to both sides. You should. And you come to your own conclusions. But we want to equip you at least with some positions and some knowledge as it pertains to why this, this right is so important to us as Americans. And so we, we want to have that as a part of our show because, again, that all ties into the educational piece. It's, we're not just about entertaining people and going around the country and having a great time. Education is important, man. Uh, and, and, and if you don't have knowledge, people will perish like a fool. Uh, yeah, that's an old saying. And I think it's a saying that's true. And I think if you look at some of the issues in our country today, it is because people just don't read. They don't research. They just take an opinion and run with it. And yeah, again, as I say, we have an opinion, but we also encourage our people, go do your own homework. Don't just take it from us because you like us. Or because we naturally, you may naturally agree with us because we're gun owners as well. We say, go listen to other people. And if you agree with us after doing your own research, great. We're happy about it. If maybe you disagree, that's okay too. But we believe we have that responsibility, Stephen, to equip people with the tools and knowledge to be as powerful and impactful as they possibly can. 
as gun owners. It's not enough to just be a gun owner. We want people to understand all the machinations on the political side of gun ownership and how certain things can negatively impact gun owners, particularly gun owners of color. There are a lot of these new rules that are coming. You start to think if you're living in a dangerous environment, how will that impact communities of color? Uh, how will that impact you if you're interacting with law enforcement? And there are all of these new laws now where law enforcement officials are now targeting people because they're looking for guns. Let's say your gun is on you legally, but we know there's been a lot of issues in our country right now. And now all of a sudden you find yourself in a really quirky, quirky kind of predicament because of some ridiculous law. So these are things that are important that have real implications on people's lives. And we talk about them because they are important. And again, we feel that we have a responsibility not to just only be advocates of the Second Amendment through our engaging and entertaining content, but to also also be good stewards of the Second Amendment. And to do so, that means diving sometimes into the politics, giving our opinions a little bit, but also trying to have a whole lot of facts, a whole lot of information, and giving it to our viewers and say, you guys go make the best decision for yourself. Yeah, certainly. I think that comes across. Like the AR episode. Real quick, Stephen, the AR episode. Mm -hmm. If you noticed, and I'm sure you watched that episode, we never said, go get an an AR. We never said, this is why you should get an AR. We just simply said, this is the history of the AR. This is how it's made. This is how it operates. Here are the politics. So we're educating you on this thing. Now you go make the decision for yourself. People are smart enough to do that. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and obviously, you, you also stand by your convictions. Uh, you've been uh, a mm-hmm. longtime sponsor, has been Gun Owners of America, the gun rights group. And mm-hmm. you recently just gave them uh, a $10,000 donation as uh, you know, a show of uh, support for, for the work that they're doing. So uh, you certainly mm-hmm. uh, stand behind that in, in more than just in more than a way that's just talking about it. You're actually uh, giving money as well. But politics aside yeah. now. Um, what what has been your favorite experience on the show so far? It, from whether it's uh, something you've done that's already been up on the YouTube channel, which people should go check out, by the way. Uh, and, and then Guns Out or, TV. Yes, Guns Out TV. Go check it out. It's on YouTube. Or uh, or the new the new season that's coming up uh, on the um, on Warrior Poets yeah, Society Warrior Poets Network. Society. Yes, man. Um, what has been your favorite? Favorite experience? God, Stephen, that's so hard. It's hard, man. I would probably say I have two. And these two are actually coming on Warrior Poet Society. Well, three. One of our early episodes in Vegas, I got to shoot a flamethrower <laughs> from like Vietnam, which was crazy cool. Guys, those things are heavy as heck. And Stephen, they get so freaking hot. I mean, man, it, it almost feels like you're burning up while you're not burning up, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so that was really, really cool in Vegas, at Battlefield Vegas. Um, so check that place out, by the way. Really great people yeah, there. I've actually, I've actually the been two, there uh, before. Oh, you have? I didn't shoot what the flamethrower. What did you think, Stephen? Yeah, the, I, I'd like to shoot the flamethrower. But Battlefield Vegas is awesome. I did shoot their minigun, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which is that quite was fun. <laughs> Yeah, so they have a lot Steven, of Steven, when you shot the minigun, did you notice how it really pulls you? I think it's to the right. Yeah. You have to like really jerk it. Oh, yeah. yeah, man. But it goes so fast, though. It's like, <laughs> it's so yeah, it's, it's a blink of an eye. It's like you're done, out of ammo. All right. Sorry, next. It's fine. So that, so that was cool. And, and the two that are coming out on Warrior Poets Society Network, which is founded by John Lovell, by the way, of Warrior Poets Society. If you're not familiar with John Lovell, uh, check out Warrior Poets Society on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. John Lovell is a, is a veteran 
uh, combat veteran special forces, just a brilliant, brilliant, good, good family man, just a good guy all around uh, who's been very, very supportive of guns out on the network. And so my two favorite ones from there were uh, or are, I should say, because they haven't come out yet. We went out to Texas to drive tanks where we got to drive a tank, which, believe it or not, uh, Stephen, the steering wheel on the tank is like like this. It's like this little square, little metal steering wheel like this wide. And that's it. <laughs> and that little thing that drives like a car with the same pedals moves that entire thing, which is insane. And also, I learned tanks can actually go into pretty deep water without the water actually getting into the cabin, which I don't know how, what type of seals the military is using, but that's really, really cool. So that was a fun one. And then my second episode that I really liked was when we got a chance to go out to uh, not Vegas, but California to shoot with a world-renowned shooter who's trained Keanu Reeves for John Wick, The Rock, Kevin Hart, Michael B. Jordan, and a bunch of other action stars and shooting. That was just an um, Holly Berry. That was an amazing opportunity to sort of do that course that everybody's seen all over Instagram uh, in person. So those three uh, are my favorite uh, episodes. And we got a lot of other ones coming up that I don't want to say yet. So you got to go to Warrior Point Society, become a member, subscribe to watch the new season coming out January 5th. Yes. Make sure you guys do that. I think it's going to be really fun uh, to watch you guys. Mm -hmm. This is the other thing, too. The dynamic between you and John is really incredible. I think both in person, um, as I've experienced, but also on the show, you guys are great together. You have this uh, incredible chemistry. Uh, I mean, it probably comes from just being friends for a long time, right? You didn't this show, you, you know, yeah, you I mean, put together like a talent and agency. You guys have been friends for a long time. Yeah, friends. And, and you know, Stephen, I don't have an older brother. I have a younger brother. And in many ways, John is like a big brother to me. He's like the big brother I never had. Uh, he's older than me by... I don't know, over a decade, because I'm only 31. John's in his 40s, so he's older than me by quite a few years, uh, has, has had a lot of life experience. And so I, I go to him for a lot of different things, man, from some relationship issues with my girlfriend, when I'm upset with my parents, when I'm mad about some TV stuff or political stuff, or when I'm thinking about some investment stuff, because he's done it all, had his own failures and successes. And so the bond that people see between me and John is not just two friends, but it's, it's, it's a love of a brotherhood. And it's 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 admiration, it's respect. And so when you see that, it's legitimate. It's not like, oh, these are just two friends. It's much more. I love that guy like a brother, man, because he has been the brother that I always wish I had. Like what guy wouldn't want a bigger brother? That's always like the dream. Man, I wish I had a bigger brother who could sort of give me that advice. And for me, with my dad being deceased, that older brother type of relationship that I have with John is even more valuable to me. Um, because now I only have one grandfather still alive now. Uh, all my others are gone. My great grandfather's now deceased. And so John really has sort of filled a big void in my life, again, as being that older brother figure where I can just go to him since we've been friends for a couple of years now and just say, bro, I'm having a really crappy day. I need some damn advice. And he'll say, Sherm, let's talk, bro. What's up? And, and so that's where that bond comes from. It's not just a friendship. It's a real brotherhood. And John is just he's a good guy, man, a really, really good guy. I don't think, Stephen, you know, as a guy, you can meet too many better guys to just be completely honest with you about every single thing, even when you don't want to hear it, um, but still respect you and look out for you and make sure you're making the right decisions and not making some of the mistakes they made when they were your age. You don't find that often, man. And when you get that kind of a, a brotherly bond. It's like, man, we're brothers for life. And so that's why we have that chemistry, because I just respect the guy so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it really comes across in the show, honestly. Uh, I, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah, we have a lot of fun, man. Me and John, my parents and my grandparents, they love John and they talk and they always, and John's parents love me and they're like, we're adopting John. Uh, and then John's parents are like, we're adopting Shermichael because they watch us and like, you guys are like two big kids. It's literally like a bigger brother and a little brother. And you guys are just having too much fun. And that is literally, Stephen, how we are all the time. Even when John is pissed with me because he's like, oh God, Sherm, you're having one of your moments. We still have fun. So it's just crazy, yeah. man. <laughs> I've seen it in person. I mean, but you guys have really you managed have. to capture that spark of friendship and, uh, and come across in a way that's really authentic. I mean, you're the same on camera as you are off camera in my experience. And and I, I think that makes the, the show that much better. But but people should check it out yeah, for themselves. Um, you know, this is our this is our I believe this will be our Christmas episode just after Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone Ooh. listening. Um, Merry Christmas, everyone. In the new year, make sure you check out Guns Out TV over on Warrior Poet Society. I think, you know, it's really something you have to actually watch and experience yourself. I can't capture it all by just <laughs> Stephen, you it, got but, the experience. Yeah. How was the experience, Stephen? <laughs> yes, it was, it was a lot of fun to be on one of those first episodes. You know, it's and hopefully we can do another one soon in the future. I think that'd be great. Oh, yes, we definitely will have you on a future episode, no doubt, because one, we need to get you on so we can do some cross promotion of the reload. Yeah. And then you can also write about it and you can also be featured in the episode. So we're both doing some cross promotion because we want to support you, man. Hey, uh, and I, I really support what you guys are doing. I think it's fantastic work. And I think it's something very unique that people should absolutely check out for themselves, which they can do by going where? You can go to gunsouttv.com and on gunsouttv.com, you'll find all of our links. On YouTube, we're Guns Out TV, Instagram, Guns Out TV, Facebook, Guns Out TV. But our website, GunsOutTV.com, tells a lot more about us. If you want to buy some of our cool shirts, I'm wearing one now. Uh, you can, if you want to look at some of the different groups and organizations that we work with, uh, where we have a lot of discount codes for ammo, for holsters, uh, all of that stuff is on the website. So check it out, GunsOutTV.com. Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks for being on. We're going to head over to the news update now. Thanks so much, Stephen. All right. I'm joined now by our contributing writer, Jake Fogelman, to talk a little bit about the latest news. Jake, you had a story recently about a new undertaking for the New York Attorney General. What exactly is she up to now? That's right. Uh, Letitia James is back in the news again. Uh, that's New York Attorney General Letitia James. She uh, sent out a letter on Monday to the Biden administration, essentially asking them to crack down on toy guns. Um, as it stands now, toy guns are, are regulated as far as their appearance so that they can't be confused with uh, real guns for obvious reasons. But in her words, she thinks that those current regulations are insufficient. She didn't exactly specify what regulations she would like to see, but she is urging the Biden administration to use regu regulatory authority to step in. Right. Well, she said she wants it to be stricter than New York's law, which is interesting because New York actually just passed a new update to their regulations on toy guns. And, right. you know, we're calling them toy guns, but this actually, she wants it to extend to uh, airsoft guns and pellet guns and BB guns as well. That's not right. just sort of toy guns that shoot plastic projectiles or, or what, you know, you know, the toy gun you might, most people might associate with uh, being a toy, whereas airsoft guns and pellet guns are, less less so i mean they're meant for older 
kids sure. or even adults in many cases. So she wants those regulated as well. But also she wants everything to go beyond what the current New York law is. And the current New York law requires that toy guns either be made of colorful plastics or be transparent and right. nothing else is legal under that, those restrictions. Right. That's right. Yeah. Um, so like you said, it remains to be seen what they could do at the federal level to go even further than a law that already is, you know, that restrictive, um, particularly things like airsoft guns and BB guns. You see a lot of times prominent gun companies will actually license their firearms designs to be used for those types of things. So that kind of, uh, it's not clear to me how that's going to work going forward if they have to be, you know, neon green or completely clear. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously going to be a huge um, restriction for the industry in regards to selling designs that are anything like an actual firearm. Sure. Um, now, she claims that this is, uh, of course, a public safety issue. That's right. Where. Uh, I believe she brings up a number of different cases where people were shot by the police for over the confusion of a toy gun with a real gun, right? Um, including recently in New York, she cites several cases. Of course, at the same time, she also cites, you know, she admits that this is not limited to the world of toy guns. Right. I believe she cites a case where someone was shot for because they had a steel pipe that looked in the moment to a police officer like a gun. So, uh, you know, how, how much practical effect something like this has in the real world on police shootings, I think is, is very much up in the air. Question, obviously, there's been famous cases sure. of sort of mistaken identity by police when it comes to toy guns. Tamir Rice is probably the most famous example of that. Uh, where he was, I believe, was in Cleveland. He was shot. This small small boy was shot um, because police believed that his toy gun was a real gun. And there have been a lot of cases to, in that regard over the years. Um, so that's what she's justifying this right. off of. But uh, she has also basically made a sort a series of calls for new gun legislation in New York. Right. Right. Yeah. And even in the statement where she put out this uh, call for toy gun regulation, she included those previous steps that she's taken where she's vowed to defend uh, New York's law imposing civil liability on gun manufacturers. Um, right. Which we covered, I believe, in the last episode. Um, and she's also talked about how she's uh, standing up to defend New York's may issue carry law. Um, and she's also recently uh, come out in favor of copying the Texas abortion tactic to go even further with New York's civil liability regime. So this is all part of a broader strategy. I think it's not just what meets the eye in terms of toy guns. It's just a, a coordinated strategy to go after the gun industry on her part. Yeah. And obviously she is the one who's prosecuting the National Rifle Association. That's right. Over corruption charges. So she has been extremely active uh, when it comes to gun politics in in New York and nationally, really. So uh, this is sort of her latest foray now is going after toy guns uh, as a source of uh, urgent need, urgent um, uh, regulation being needed. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I, I mean, I'd be hard pressed to see 
New York doing anything more that they literally just passed this new sure. law that she now is still saying is not enough. Um, they don't know what else, what more you can do other than just totally banning the concept of a toy gun. Uh, you know, maybe even your fingers. We've had children <laughs> uh, disciplined at school for making their fingers into toy guns That's in, right. in this country. So who knows what the limiting principle is here for someone like Letitia James. But uh, it will be interesting to see what the Biden administration does, if anything, on this front. I mean, this has been the regulation for decades now, but they've obviously been more willing than previous administrations to push the envelope on what they can do unilaterally on guns. And perhaps this is an area where they will try to do so again. We'll yeah, see. Remains to be seen. She made a direct appeal for that in her statement. She said, you've shown a willingness to use regulations before to go after the gun industry. Well, why not do it this time? So we'll see what the Biden administration decides to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that wraps up our uh, Christmas episode of the Weekly Reload podcast. We hope that you're all having a good time with your family, staying safe and uh, enjoying the company of one another as, as much as possible this holiday season. And uh, we're, we're actually not going to take a break. We're going to do another epi episode next week with uh, Ian McCollum of uh, Forgotten Weapons. So I think that'll be an interesting one. I think hopefully that'll give people some uh, something to listen to over the holiday break. Uh, you know, we're going <laughs> to, we'll probably won't be writing as much, but the podcast will still be here to uh, keep you guys updated and informed on what's going on in the government.